This is Transistor.fm. Hey folks, if you are looking to record and publish your podcast, but you don't want to learn GarageBand or any of these other kind of more complicated sound editing applications, check out alitu.com. That's A-L-I-T-U.com. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2019. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson, and I'm a product and marketing guy. Follow along as we build Transistor.fm. So John, we got a lot of feedback. We poured out our hearts last week about our bandwidth costs. Yeah. And uh, almost... Actually, so we recorded that on Sunday or Monday, but by the time we'd published, we'd actually already found a solution. Um, we did, yeah. We weren't, I, yeah, we did. We don't, weren't sure it's going to work. Uh, I think we're not quite sure if it still is, but we're having our, we're crossing our fingers here. Yeah. Um, but we did get a lot of good feedback. Like people really kind of suggested a lot of stuff. I think that we had already tried. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. interesting because I mean, part of this is just good for us to share what's going on and the the challenges that people might not think about. Uh, actually, I, I sent you this clip from uh, Marco talking on ATP. You know, like if we hosted our podcast on something that was free, I know what it would cost them in bandwidth. I, like we, we know that it would cost them probably thousands of dollars a month in bandwidth and CDN costs to host our show for free. You need a lot of scale. To, to be able to pay for the expensive shows with all the, you know, low traffic shows. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they're, I mean, they, they have uh, they have pretty long episodes, I think. Yeah. Plus, plus it's popular. Yeah, exactly. So if you have that double yeah. combo of, you know, hour, hour and a half episodes, and I'm how, how many listeners do they have? 75,000 unique downloads per episode. And they do four episodes at least a month, I'm guessing. So that's a pretty good chunk. That's 300,000 downloads a month. Yeah, that's pretty good. So, yeah, it, it really interesting to get all that feedback. We think we found a solution. Uh, what did you do? Maybe tell people how you tested out. The, oh, well, I, I, maybe we should also say we're not going to share what we found, right? Right. We found a solution that I think is going to work pretty well. We probably really shouldn't talk about it yet. Mm-hmm. Um and even if but, even if it works, I don't know if I want to share it just from a competition based perspective. Right, right. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't think. Right. Yeah, I don't think we're doing anything like shady or sketchy. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or like violating any terms of service, but but we did, we've been using it for a couple of weeks. Well, I guess a week only, but um, yeah. On the surface, it sort of like seems too good to be true. So we're sort of going to keep monitoring it mm-hmm. and see what happens. But, uh, but yeah, so we, um, you know, I found it and finally got it working. There was a couple of things I had to configure and I think I messaged you and I said, Hey, do you mind if I switch over this show, build your SAS to this new, uh, CDN? Mm-hmm. And you were like, yeah, go for it. Um, and then that, that was pretty easy to switch just because of how things are put together. We can sort of swap out the underlying CDN pretty easily. Um, 
and that worked pretty well. So we then switched over another big show and just to see how that worked. Um, and so I think we have our three biggest shows now using it. Mm-hmm. Seems to be working pretty smoothly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it, it's like really it's fast. It's um, it's global. We had we had a couple problems um, in the past with a few locations that weren't working very well, like like Russia and some other locations. Mm-hmm. Um, and those seem to be working fine. You, you mean with past CDNs, though they wouldn't they wouldn't serve. Yeah, for whatever reason, we had a couple of customers reach out to us and were like, you know, I have some listeners in Russia or like Israel or something, and they were like, they they can't download it mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, so we uh, we swapped it and it seems to be working. Yeah, and and how does that even work? Like, <clears throat> how do you how are you able to swap out individual shows so fast? Well, so I. I sort of configured a, like a like kind of a switch on each show, and I just said like, if I set this setting on this show, um, use this use this CDN instead. Um, but on top of that, so each episode has has a unique URL that hits our platform, and then when it hits our actual Ruby app, it records the listen or the download. It records all the data that it can get, you know, like where that listener is and what. Um, app they're using to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And then it just redirects to the CDN. So that redirect can be whatever you want. Okay. Um, so we just have like different different uh, URLs for each CDN or different subdomains for each CDN. That uh, So we can just kind of A-B test like that. Oh, I see. So you, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So you can just redirect it wherever you want. And theoretically, you could mirror them if you wanted to. You could do all sorts of stuff. Right. Yep. You could sort of set up like multiple CDNs and randomly choose one if you wanted to based on whatever. Yeah. And it is it is fast. Uh, the the third customer we asked uh, if we could switch them over to the new CDN was Mike Vardy. Uh, shout out to him for letting us test it on his podcast. But I... I <laughs> I did a test, like I subscribed to his show. There's a, a link to this video in the show notes, uh, FM slash 47. But it's super fast, this new CDN. Like it is unbelievably fast. Yeah. And I'm just looking at our stats so far. There's been, since we enabled this, 23,000 requests. We've served over 86 gigabytes. That's actually just today. Oh, that's just today? What the? Yeah. Oh, yeah, in the last 24 hours. Oh, my God. No, it's almost, it's almost a terabyte. I oh, think. my God. Yeah. Okay, so I just switched it. So total requests, 124,000 and 903 gigabytes. Yep. That is Yeah, it's crazy. just cranking along. You can definitely see the spikes, too, when someone releases a new show. Yeah. Wow. So... Fingers crossed that this, because this actually will dramatically affect our profitability if this is a good long-term solution. It's a very um, like predictable cost, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Like, doesn't, yeah. It's not as variable. Right. Yeah. So. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. That's the invest. That's the the update on that. Quickly, uh, in terms of something I've been thinking about and chewing on we we had a call 
Um, I can't even remember what that was <laughs> on Saturday. Um, you know, there's these new bootstrapped funds, these funds for bootstrappers, Indie.VC, Tiny Seed, uh, Earnest Capital. And, you know, we've been trying to decide if we should take some investment now. And uh, this was kind of, uh, there's some deadlines because some of these funds had, like they were closing applications these past couple of weeks. And essentially, the, it's anywhere, they'll, they will uh, invest anywhere between 50000 up to 250000 um, And most of them will take uh, 8% equity or up, I believe. Uh, except for Earnest Capital, who basic they have a return cap. So if you take a hundred thousand from them, they want three to five x back. And uh, the way they do that is they'll take a portion of your earnings as a founder after you start paying yourself. So for example, if you decided your salary was going to be, I don't know, this is really low, but fifty thousand dollars. As soon as you hit like okay, each of us are getting paid fifty thousand dollars a year we would have to start returning 30% of that number. So if you were getting paid 50000 and I was getting paid 50000 we would be returning 30000 start paying back $30,000 in a year. Yeah, okay. Up to, I, so again, that would take, if we were only returning 30% a year, that would be a 10-year payback period, right? Well, yeah, that's a long time. Um, that is a long time, actually. So, And I, I'm probably getting some of those details wrong. But uh, that's kind of the general lay of the land. And I think you asked a good question, which was, what does that actually get us? Meaning, what is this for and who is it for? Like, why would we take the money and what would we use it for, right? Yeah, right. I, yeah, I don't think at the time we talked about it, I really had a good idea of, maybe neither do you, um, about how we would how we would use that like how what we what we what was that money going what are we paying for yeah like is it for us is it for marketing is it for to hire someone is it for hosting costs is it for something else yeah um yeah it's and part of i think we explained this before but um you know part of my initial interest in all these funds was my other business that's been kind of funding my life wasn't doing so good. But in the last few months, it's been doing better. And so yeah. <laughs> it, it kind of relieved that financial pressure for me. Uh, right. And honestly, January and February, I've been almost 80% of my time maybe on Transistor. Um, nice. So it, I've had a lot of time these past few months to focus on Transistor and uh, not worry about money, which is which is usually why you take money, right? Right. Yeah, I think that's why we were talking about it and why we would have taken it is to sort of free up our time to do this. Yeah. But I think, you know, the fact that you have that much time to devote to Transistor, I think we're seeing that payoff mm -hmm. as far as, you know, you getting the word out and, and like marketing, marketing the platform. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a good, it seems to be working. Yeah. And so, yeah, in terms of what is this for? And then the question became for you, you know, like, it, would this accelerate John being able to, 
you know, eventually leave paid employment. Uh, but on your side, you have a bunch of personal savings. All it would do is protect those savings, but like those savings are sort of for something like this. Like it's it's even <clears throat> it's outside of of other investments I have for let's say retirement mm -hmm. or whatever. It's just like rainy day, rainy day fund for a while if I need to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, my friend Ben Ornstein, that's exactly what he did. He had personal savings outside of his 401k and all, all those things. Yeah. And he just said, you know, this is for building the company. Right. And I think he figured he had, you know, 12 months kind of runway and even more if he needed it. Yeah, it's uh right. I mean, you can I haven't really run those numbers, but like it could be it could be a while and like there's obviously expenditures I can reduce and and things I can sort of um look into in in my life and how I spend money and make reductions in that and I think that would make that last a lot longer. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, I think the more we talk about it, it's the more we're like, well, if we don't need it, then like, what's, what's the point? Like mm -hmm. at this, at this point, I think the only, the only reason we really want to take it is if we wanted to hire someone else. Yeah. And even that would be such uh well, first of all, I don't feel like we're really ready for that. Like, it, no, I don't, I don't think so either. So we're not opposed to taking investment, but I think for now, what we've decided is we're just going to wait. Um, yeah. the, the other thing is that we're, in terms of, like right now, we're at $7,636 in MRR. That's an annual run rate of ninety, almost $92,000. So we're getting close to the an, an annual run rate of $100,000, and really, you know, it's not going to be very much time before we could both take $50,000 in salary. And right. um, in in that case, you know, with Ernest, we would be theoretically, depending on what they offered us, we would be returning, um, you know, some profits to them, not profits, some founder earnings to them. And so um, that it just doesn't seem like it makes sense because we're so close already. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. The other thing I, I met with a, um, there's a community loan agency here in Vernon that's government funded and we're an American C Corp. So this wouldn't apply to us, but it's an interesting thought experiment. They came to me and said, Hey, we want to get attract more tech startups to our town, which a lot of towns want to. And I said, okay, well, tell me about what you do. And they say, well, traditionally what we've done is funded folks um, with government, it's government funded, and we fund folks that the banks won't fund. And in my head, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That's exactly the problem with software companies, right? <laughs> like a bank will right. fund a coffee shop because you've got ovens and equipment and maybe a location that you can seize. They, they want to be able to seize some capital assets, but... Software has had this problem that we can't get traditional loans because the banks are just, they're still thinking too old school. They're not looking at mm -hmm. the, the crazy margins that software companies can do. Like we talked about right. last time, like 80% plus margins. And 
they're they're still looking at these very low margin businesses like retail and food services, but they won't give software companies loans. And what he said is that they've what they've typically done is give loans at it's a higher rate than commercial money, but it's about nine percent right now. And I in my head I'm like nine percent. I'm like, man, John and I would take that loan, you know? Because <laughs> yeah. it right now, like if if we had to return, you know, in the case of Ernest, like three to five X, that's a huge percentage rate. And then if we had or if we had to give up uh to Tiny Seed or Indie VC, you know, eight percent or higher equity, that means we have to return, you know, we have to give them dividends forever, right? Um, and right. a portion of our company if we sell. So um that's an interesting that's an interesting opportunity that may exist in our listeners' hometown. Like they might have community in Canada there's like the BDC, but there's community futures. I'm sure these things exist in different States. Yeah, there's, I mean, in the U.S., there's um, uh, credit unions, which are sort of like banks, but different in a way. Mm-hmm. They sometimes they sometimes have, like, business loans that are a little bit more approachable, I think. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I guess I'm just responding to the meme, which is, oh, banks don't don't fund software companies. But I'm wondering if we need to investigate that a little bit more. Uh, because it, it does seem like there's agencies and yeah, like you said, credit unions that may be willing to invest. Uh, sorry, not invest, loan you money. Yeah. Now there's a risk there that you'll have a kind of a personal guarantee. Like you'll want to, you'll have to, you'll be on the hook to pay that back. Um, I, I want to push back against that a little bit too. So theoretically, yes, like you're, um, if if you take investment, you can, you know, close up shop and not pay back investors. I think in practice, a lot of founders end up feeling kind of guilty about that, and yeah, I mean, and end up paying back investors <laughs> anyway. You know what I mean? Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's also uh, there's also corporate credit cards. I mean, those generally have high interest rates, but like, you know, we don't we don't have a credit card at the moment. Mm-hmm. So we don't have a line. We don't have a line of credit that we can just sort of like borrow against. Yeah, which at some point maybe we should. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's that's probably something to talk about with with an accountant or whatever. But yeah, I think that. But even then, you could you can definitely get into, into some trouble if you're overspending. And oh, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, I the the yeah that'd be a good topic for next time too. I, I'm sure. Actually, yeah. this is the one segment people are just like screaming at their podcast players right now because everyone has opinions about this stuff. Um, especially, yeah, like how much risk you should be taking as a founder, how much debt you should be taking on personally, uh, how many personal guarantees you should be giving. Uh, you know, the, the pro- their credit card debt with entrepreneurs is a problem. There's lots of people that right. fund their startups on credit cards and yep. uh, sometimes it works out and sometimes it does not. And that is uh, can be really rough. Uh, the other thing from Nathan Barry is when he was building ConvertKit and he, he said, you know, when things were kind of going up and to the right, everyone wanted to extend him credit. Everyone wanted to invest in the company, all that stuff. And he says, in retrospect, he wishes he had applied for the line of credit 
when things were looking good because you don't need it when things are looking good, but you can't get it when things have gone bad. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a good point. So anyway, that's kind of an update on investment. Do you want to share a little bit about uh, what you've learned about corporate taxes? Yeah, so um, we've been trying to wrap up our corporate taxes. Uh, and I had reached out to a friend of mine and asked him if he knew anyone or had worked with anyone to do um, corporate taxes for him. And he sort of pointed me in the direction of this uh, this one guy that he has worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I finally met with him uh, this past weekend and, uh, you know, brought all the information that kind of we had, we had collected and organized to him and just talked over generally. I was probably there for like an hour, just talked over like what we do, you know, how the last year has been, here's our numbers and, and, you know, what are the things we might need to do. Um, it was interesting. It was, uh, my friend Scott had warned me. He's like, this guy's a little eccentric. (laughs) He's, uh, but he's good at what he does. He might come off as a little weird. (laughs) And uh, <laughs> so I show up at his at his office, which is actually his, also his place of residence. Like he lives there as well. So he works, he he lives there and works on accounting with his wife. They both work together. He opens the door and introduces himself. He's wearing uh, a Bernie 2020 shirt <laughs> for Bernie Sanders, who just announced his campaign for the election, and this like hoodie. Right? He's like not a businessman. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, this is fine. Like, I don't care what he wears. Oh man, the, the topic of the the title for this show has got to be "We Have a Socialist Accountant." <laughs> no, he's also like an artist. He does like he makes art outside of like not during the busy season, but he like has art and he sells it in galleries. And like he was showing me his studio in his house. Anyway, it's pretty interesting. Outside of that, though. Um, you know, he talked a lot about the changes to the U.S. tax law under the current president and how, like, they've tried to make it friendlier to businesses and more attractive so that more businesses want to start businesses in the U.S. Mm. or not leave. Mm-hmm. But but the details there are a little bit... They, like, lowered the tax rate for most corporations in the U.S., except that it used to be a tiered system where... Companies that didn't make as much money, that made a lot less money, actually had a much, much lower tax rate, but they got rid of those. Oh, no. So it's just like even now. So it's an even percentage across every company, no matter how much you make. Gotcha. Which is, ter- which is terrible for small businesses. Oh, no. Although, although that's only based, you only get taxed on profits, so as long as you're like not necessarily profitable. Yeah. Which, you know, includes like salaries and stuff is fine. Yeah. Um, but it's just like, he's like, yeah, it's a little weird. Like no one really knew that cause they did it so fast and like, they didn't really get the word out. Um, there's just like a lot, it's a lot of little stuff. Um, so should we be worried? Are, 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 are we going to have to pay like a hundred thousand dollars in taxes? No, no, <laughs> no, not at all. Because we didn't make that much money. <laughs> but like, we also, we also basically at the end of the year, we're like zero we had no profit at the end of the year because we paid each other yeah yeah all in all like it was it was interesting just chatting with him and like um there's just a lot a lot about taxes i didn't know mm-hmm. as far as cor- corporate taxes and like we're a c-corp so we can do things a little differently and we're not like personally accountable for some stuff but we can also sort of like write some things off differently mm-hmm. um 
anyway, it it was a uh, it was interesting. I yeah, I mean, I, it's funny. I was listening to Bootstrap Web the other day, and uh, Brian Castle is one of the hosts there, and he said, "I know this is going to be boring, but I just got to talk about accounting right now." And this is kind of the stuff that when you start a business, you never really think about. Like you and I spent a good amount of time on uh, the weekend just going through our books line by line and categorizing things. Eventually, we'll hire people to do that. But right now, it's just us. We're just like, and even though we have hardly any transactions, it still like takes time and it's still... It's like something you have to do. And there's also what they don't tell you in the blog post is there's kind of always a a bit of kind of low level anxiety that can go to high anxiety about, am I doing this right? Is the government going to audit us? Um, You know, are we, is this the right way to categorize things? Are we missing something that might end up costing us a lot of money? And I, I guess the only solution to that is to find an accountant that you trust who, yeah. you know, supports Bernie Sanders. Um, <laughs> so that's good that you, that you did that. And ours is weird too. And there's actually a lot of startups that in, can increasingly identify with this. But we have, you know, a U.S.-based C corp, but we have at least one founder outside of the U.S. And I know um, my friends who started userlist.io, is that right? Uh, They have a couple founders outside of um, the U.S. as well. And there's, it just adds this whole other dynamic. One being like, you are much better equipped to find a U.S. based accountant to, and in some ways the burden also for some of the file, the paperwork and filing and stuff rests on you. So yeah, it's an interesting. We got to talk about the real stuff here. Well, you know, hopefully when we yeah when we file it here, <laughs> it'll be all it'll be all legit and good. <laughs> that Bernie twenty twenty thing is that's so it, funny. It was, it was great. <laughs> it was like an oversized hoodie and a Bernie twenty twenty shirt. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this, is, this is interesting. <laughs> anyway, he was pretty fun to talk to though. That's great. So we'll we'll let you know, folks, what, when we pay our taxes and what we end up having to pay. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I just wanted to chat about quick is I, I've been thinking a lot about, and these are kind of unformed thoughts, but how most successful businesses and most successful apps, they're always built on a platform that is bigger than themselves. And there's kind of tiers to this, but I'll give you some examples. Airbnb is the classic example. They really, they, to start out, they scraped Craigslist. Like they would, they had a page scraper that would go in, get all of the vacation rentals, scrape those, and then post them on Airbnb. And without that initial, those initial listings, Airbnb was a site with no listings, right? And Without Craigslist, they could have never done that. They needed a bigger platform to um, build off of. Um, In the podcast world, really, uh, all podcast businesses are built off of Apple Podcasts. They've created this huge podcast directory that is free for the the different like podcast players to access, right? They'll via the API, they'll grab all of those shows so they can have some sort of directory. But even 
like us, we use the the iTunes directory for importing shows, right? And uh, the other thing that Apple's done is they've pre-installed the podcast app on every single iPhone. That's been huge for podcasting. That's a, a big kind of fertile ground for people to build a podcasting business on. It, it's actually arguable that if they hadn't done that, that we wouldn't be able to exist because there just wouldn't be enough people listening to podcasts. You know, some of these weren't even built on top of the platform, but rather by siphoning users off of other platforms. I, this is kind of like the Airbnb Craigslist thing, but also Instagram. People forget that early on when you signed into Instagram, you signed in with your Twitter account and it would grab all of your friends. So as soon as you signed in to Instagram with your Twitter account, it would find the people you were already following and the people that followed you and it would it just seeded the Instagram kind of social graph with that information. And without them, in a sense, stealing users from Twitter, Instagram would have never worked. And this is something that people don't talk about. I think there's this kind of myth that we're just, as entrepreneurs and creative people, we're just going to be creating things out of nothing. But in reality, it's almost like the opposite. You have to be building off something else that already exists that has enough momentum that you can kind of ride on its coattails for a while. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's almost like the, what is it, the Everything is a Remix video series where it's just sort of like everything is based off of something else. Mm, I forgot about that. Like, what is Vanilla Ice's Ice Ice Baby without the under pressure uh riff right yeah right so that's one thing he's he's taking this one piece and he's building on top of that and that song kind of sucks without that that riff right right yeah now he's also building on top of you know basically um you know all the work that african americans have been doing uh creating the music creating the movement right yeah uh, understandably, sometimes people get upset about this stuff. I, I think the diff, and this is kind of I, this. I this is such a messy topic. I just don't see anybody, even all of human cultural evolution from millions of years ago, <laughs> the, it, without building on top of what has been built. Well, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's you know, that's the beauty of the internet. I think. Well, um, and even the internet. What people don't realize is <laughs> the internet was someone else's platform. It was funded by the U.S. government. Right. Without that initial funding, you know, all of us capitalists are like, yeah, this is great. We're, but the, the, the initial internet was completely funded by the U.S. government. It wasn't, a, it wasn't something that businesses came up with. No, no. Yeah, and everything else was built on top of that, including uh including what we're doing. Yeah, including Yeah, I mean that's you know, that's I think that's the that's the uh the march of human progress, I think, is that sort of like it has to it has to be built on on a previous generation's progress or a previous, you know, not even generation really, but there ha- yeah, there has to be something yeah. there. And the you know, I I sent this out to my newsletter list and 
uh, one of my readers, Dave, said, okay, well, what have you been building on top of, what, what platforms have you been building on top of with Transistor? I said, well, for sure, like, uh, John's personal network in Chicago, that was one of the platforms that we stood on, right? Something you've been building your entire career. Uh, my audience and community that I've been building for 10 years, Product Hunt, Indie Hackers, Cards Against Humanity even. like Without cards, we don't have that first customer. We don't have social proof. And then you know, we have some, these days we have some affiliates that have built their own audiences that send quite a bit of traffic and business our way. Uh, Google itself is, uh, you know, a search engine, uh, a search engine, <laughs> of course, a search engine, <laughs> but Google itself, you know, send, is it becoming a bigger source of leads for us? It's a platform that we're building on top of. And then there's just RSS, right? Like yeah. that's a platform that's been around forever that we're building on top of. And so... Anyway, those are just kind of some unformed thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, it's uh, it's easy to forget though. I think it's it's the stuff that people don't necessarily. It's not visible. Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, it's sort of an invisible thing. Like you don't really. Like we're not, we're not out there marketing transistor, necessarily with, with that information up front. Not that we're trying to hide it, but like yeah, the fact that we have you know affiliates that are helping us market and get new customers. We don't really, yeah, we don't talk about that. So I think the, yeah, like you said, though, a lot of, a lot of people either forget that a lot of these other companies were built on other platforms or are continuing to be built. Yeah. There's, and of course there's word of mouth, but there's always something initial or ongoing that's kind of fueling all of that. And that, and we've talked about this before too, like Tim Ferriss's podcast is popular because Tim Ferriss had built a platform over years and years and years and years. And if you go back into his story, how did he build that platform? Well, he built it by uh, connecting into other people's audiences, right? Even his show right now kind of does that. If he gets uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger on the show, everybody that loves Arnold is going to come check out the show, right? Yeah. It, I just kind of felt like addressing this myth of like, well, I'll just build it and they'll come, or if it's good enough, people will just come. But I, I think people miss that everything that's big or successful, even like small little niche successes. You know, I know some people that run really popular, not, not really uh, successful, profitable uh, apps on top of Shopify, and they're making you know two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue, but the platform that they've built on top of is massive. Yeah. And it's a huge key to their success. Like yes. they wouldn't, they would have had to build their own e-commerce platform. All the things that Shopify hooks into as far as managing your sales. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yes. So that's just an, yeah, there's something there that I think is worth discussing. Uh, let's, yeah, let's kind of close things off here. Maybe just right. with the app update you're, you've been working on, um, so, well, we've, we've, we've been working on this for a while. What is it? Yeah. Uh, well there's Spotify, uh, which is, you know, we integrate with Spotify as far as you can submit your show to Spotify using our, um, our connection to them. We've been working on pulling in the analytics from Spotify for a while and displaying those in your analytics dashboard. And people keep asking us like every week we have like, 
you know, a handful of requests where, you know, are my Spotify analytics in here? What are they under? Mm-hmm. Um, part of that is, is on me for just, you know, running out of time to really focus on it. But Spotify's also sort of been this moving target as far as their their API and their podcasting platform in general mm-hmm. is like really new and changing. Yeah, like after months of radio silence, we just got like a pretty big update last yeah, week out of the blue, yeah. and it wasn't even in, it wasn't even a reply to anything we asked. It was just like, here's an update to our API with new stuff. We're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> now I guess we'll look back into it and see what we can use. Yeah. Which is actually, it's, it's so interesting, just as an aside, how important communication is and constant communication. Yeah. Because, and maybe we're guilty of this too, but when when all of a sudden you haven't heard from someone in months and months and months, and then you hear from them, it's 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 almost as if I would prefer, I wish you had they'd just dripped that out over time. Right. Like, give me some time to anticipate what's coming, as yep. opposed to... <laughs> Just like, hey, here we go. And it's like, whoa, like where did this come Here's from? The thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really break anything we've done already, but it, it does add some some nice stuff. So uh we'll we'll figure that out, finish that up pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um other than that, you know, I, I finished up some some like billing updates mm-hmm. for people to be able to sort of manage their billing and um some issues around delinquent customers who have not paid in a few months. Oh yeah. I think it'll be a, it'll be a good update. Um, oh, you know another cool update you did was we got that feedback from um, from Matt at Supercomputer. Yeah, maybe just tell people what that was about. Oh yeah, so so Matt um, he emailed us and had a few questions about their website, their hosted website on Transistor. It's Supercomputer.fm, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um. So they enabled the option to have a URL for an episode be the episode number. So you can go to supercomputer.fm slash one, and it would go to the first episode. Uh, What we didn't account for and sort of forgot about was the fact that you can now set multiple seasons in a show. Yes. It's like a new iTunes RSS tag that they support, and we support it as well. So you can say, all right, I have season one, episode one. But I can also, you know, after 20 episodes of season one, I can be like, oh, now we're going to start season two in the new year. So now we have season two, episode one. And if you wanted to go to episode one of Supercomputer at supercomputer.fm slash one, which season is that? Uh, And we just sort of forgot about it. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, implemented a fix so you can go to um, supercomputer.fm slash S2 slash one, which is season two, episode one. But you can also go to, I'm trying to think how many episodes they had. I think they had 20 episodes in the first season. So you could actually go to supercomputer.fm slash 21, and it should actually go to season two, episode one as well, because it's like the 21st episode overall. Um, so I was trying to make it so I, you, we didn't break previous links, but also worked with new links. Uh, so that's rolled out. There's another update I got to finish for another customer who has, I think, a handful of bonus episodes, which they don't want to be necessarily episode numbers, but still need to show up in order. Um, I think I have a good solution for that. It gets a little weird because iTunes 
still wants a bonus episode to be an episode number as far as how they're ordered in the feed. But within Transistor, within the websites we have and we host, it shouldn't say, you know, let's say the bonus episode is the 21st episode of the of the year. It shouldn't say episode 21. It should say like bonus episode one. And then episode 21 would be the next episode or whatever. It, get, it gets a little weird, <clears throat> but um, I think I figured out a way to do it. Actually, um, that's a good point about, I think there's too many folks try to over-engineer at the beginning and account for every possible thing that might go wrong. Yeah, and, and it, it's... Yeah. You can't do that. You just have to... In this case, it was great. Matt reached out to us, and we saw it right away. Oh, this is something that we should definitely fix. And then we fixed it. Um, it was better to get the, the product out into real people's hands and have them using it <laughs> instead of trying to over-engineer it from the beginning. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't know it. You don't know everything at the beginning or there's things you forget about. And like, luckily Matt wasn't, you know, he wasn't like an irate customer who's like, what is this? What am I paying for? Mm -hmm. uh, he just suggested it and took care of it. <laughs> nice. And now everyone else can benefit. Now everyone else can benefit too. Exactly. All right. Uh, I Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm just going to tell you about our great monthly supporters. Uh, PodcastInsights.com has been one of our longest running supporters. They um, have been really generous with sponsoring this show. And if you haven't checked out their How to Create a Podcast Guide yet, go to PodcastInsights.com. It's right on the homepage if you just look on the left-hand side. So go and check that out. Uh, by the way, we have some new sponsors coming online next month. So uh, if you're if you you're like, oh, you know what? I've already signed up for a Litu and Podcast Insights. <laughs> well, we've got some fresh sponsors coming. Um, <laughs> let me just go through our Patreon supporters. But then, John, you've got uh, uh, actually. Why don't you start with our 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 brand new Patreon supporter? All right, we have we have a new supporter this month or this week, uh, Dan Buddha. Sounds like he might be related to me, <laughs> <laughs> which he is. Uh, he's my brother. Man, you folks get the best domain names because he's got danbuddha.com yeah. and you've got johnbuddha.com. Yeah, uh, we're pretty lucky with the online usernames because they're never taken. Oh, my God. I'm going to change my name to Justin Buddha. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You'll Yeah. Because <laughs> they're they're short, it's like danbuddha.com. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. So thanks, Dan. Uh, I owe you a visit. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, Dan uh, is down in Austin. Uh, he has been doing a bunch of coding lately. If anybody is looking to uh, hire someone, he's he's uh, he's free for some projects probably. Oh, nice. At dan danbuddha.com or at Daniel Buddha on Twitter. Nice. Great. And our other monthly supporters are Darby Frey, Kyle Fox at getrewardful.com, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Kevin Markham, Sammy Schuchert, Dan Erickson, Mike Walker, Adam Duvander, Dave Junta. Junta. And uh, podcastinsights.com, which I already told you about. Thanks again, everybody, and we will see you next week.
Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.